stand in need of according to your will. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that your will would be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that we will continue loving each other more and more each day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will be a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And Heavenly Father, we pray that this worship service will be done decent and in order and pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he come give us the bread of life. Pray, Heavenly Father, we are listening to those words we are listening toward eternity, because these will be eternal matters he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but also doers of your word. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer, and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please turn to page 871 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that's page 871 in your faith and praise books. Once again, it's page 871 in your faith and praise books. Father, let us sing. Beautiful robe, so white, beautiful land of light, beautiful home, so bright, where there shall come no night, beautiful crown, wear, shining and bright, Shining, yes, shining so fair, beautiful mansions bright, and gather us there, yes, gather us there. Beautiful thought to me, we shall forever be thine in eternity, when from this world we're free. Free from its soul and care, heavenly joys to share. Let me cross over there, and this is my prayer. And beautiful rose, and beautiful land, and beautiful home, and beautiful band. Shining, yes, shining so fair, beautiful mansions bright. Gather us there, yes, gather us there. Beautiful things on high, 
shall leave this shore, counting my treasures o'er, where we shall never die, carry me by and by, never to sorrow more, and heavenly sore, and beautiful Shining, yes, shining so fair, beautiful mansions bright, and gather us there, yes, gather us there. Amen. Please turn to page 20 in your sacred selection of psalm books. Once again, it is page 20 in your sacred selection of psalm books. I'm going that way. Once again, that is page 20. In your second selection of song books. Bob, let's sing. I've heard of a land of joy and peace and wonderful light and wonderful light. A beautiful place of mansions fair and skies ever bright and skies ever bright. Where all who obey the Savior dear forever shall stay, forever shall stay. And having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way 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 and Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day is with me each day I cling to him I cling to him and never do stray and never do stray yes singing is praises all day long. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. The glorious news I tell and sing as onward I go, as onward I go, that those who are still astray in sin, my Savior may know, my Savior may know. I want them to sing his praise above some beautiful day, some beautiful day. For glory to him who died for me. I'm going that way, 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 I'm going that way. And Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day, is with me each day. I cling to him, I cling to him, and never do stray, and never do stray. Yes, singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way, I'm going that way. I know I shall meet him at the gate when trials are past, when trials are past. I know I shall meet him face to face in glory at last, in glory at last. And oh, I believe that when we meet, well done 
he will say, well done, he will say, for trusting is so redeeming love. I'm going that way, 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 and Jesus the Savior, I we go through this life thinking about how wonderful God is, all the wonderful things he has done in our lives, even though we are not deserving, that God is still being good to us. I think that's why we always use that phrase, God is good. Not just some of the time, but all the time, God is good. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, What a blessing it is to be in the worship services of the Lord. Uh, I I don't believe that there's any better place to be. Uh, than to be at the feet of the Father, uh, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, lifting up our voices and praises uh, unto the almighty God. I want to call your attention very quickly to the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, as we continue our theme, uh, the seeds of the sower. Uh, this, the theme was established at the beginning of this year. We've been unfolding various sermons to help unpack this idea. Uh, of the seed of the sower. Uh, We know that this uh, originates in Matthew chapter 13, uh, and we know that the the discussion uh, of the seed of the sower, even though it is couched in the parable of uh, of farming, uh, husbandmen planting seeds, uh, uh, we do know that it is uh, more focused on the spiritual concept, the benefit uh, of the particular seed uh, that is what is uh, that is uh, uh, in focus, and that is the word of God. Luke records for us that the seed is the word of God, and that seed, if you will, becomes the light uh, that is to uh, dwell in all men, uh, and that light that dwells in all men uh, is to manifest itself in such a way uh, where the parable speaks of it bringing forth 30, 60, a uh, hundredfold, which is uh, to say the fruit of the spirit. With that being said, I want to uh, get into a conversation this morning through this sermon uh, about uh, the significance of Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18, because this dovetails into uh, Ephesians chapter 5, where we were on last Lord's Day, as we spoke about what was happening 
uh, in Ephesus and the challenges that were going on uh, in Ephesus, uh, especially as it pertains to uh, uh, how the Christians, the children of God, the children of the light, uh, ought to li- ought to live uh, their lives. Now, just to uh, give a a quick uh, uh, overview as I go into Proverbs chapter four. Remember in Ephesians five, they were conflicted with their life as it pertained to being a child of God, a Christian. Because they had, if you will, the influences of the world still very much impacting uh, their behavior. Now, truly, they would say one thing. Paul addressed them as children of God, and so we know that there must have been some level of profession uh, concerning the, uh, their relationship and their identity as being members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ. Um, we recognize that they were, uh, if you will, being addressed as such, as Christians, as children of God. Paul would say in Ephesians 1 and 7, we have redemption uh, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Paul reminded them of what it is that they had obeyed and what had affected uh, their lives, that they may become children of the Almighty God. However, Paul also goes on and he says, you know, be followers of me as I am of God. He makes it very clear in Ephesians chapter 5 that there is a change, a transition, a transformation that needs to take place as one, if you will, obeys the gospel and uh, uh, begins to profess their spiritual uh, identity as being children uh, of the almighty God, being Christians. Amen. As Paul would uh, remind us in the recordings of the book of Acts, when Luke recorded Acts, he said that Paul was before King Agrippa, and he made such a compelling argument uh, concerning uh, Jesus the Christ. King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And so we know what the purpose of the gospel is. The purpose of the gospel is to get individuals to understand their condition so that they may come and obey the gospel and become Christians. Amen. That is the whole purpose and the focus of the gospel. The how is where the difficulty is and where the detail lies because there are all different types of systems out there, belief systems that try to say how one is uh, supposed to become a Christian. Now the Bible is very clear as to how that happens. The Bible lets us know as we've quoted many times and that you've read many times in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of faith is coming from God's word, the seed, amen. Seed of God's word is where we uh, extract our understanding and therefore increase our faith. Romans 10 and 17 has been there since the time that Paul uh, had it penned, amen, and it has not changed. It is still the same. Faith doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter how good grandma and grandpa was or how wicked they were, amen, depending on what side of the cross they own. Uh, but whatever their condition was, it can't affect your life, amen, directly. Indirectly it may affect it, but not directly because you always have the freedom of will to choose how you're going to worship God. Amen. You can obey God no matter what has come in, in, uh, before you, amen. Many of us have come out of all different kinds of religious belief systems, uh, amen, or no belief systems to come into the body of Christ, irrespective of what our uh, the previous generation uh, has done. So with that being said, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the how is still very much couched in the word of God. Amen. 
And, and belief is always there. You must believe. You cannot, you cannot come to God to where there be amen, guessing whether or not you're being uh, uh, baptized for the remission of sin. You've got to know some stuff. There's some, there's some, there's some prerequisites, amen, uh, to presenting yourself as uh, one who is ready to be baptized. And so Hebrews 11 and 6, we say it all the time that, you know, uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But, but remember, he says, uh, uh, amen, that, that, that uh, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So even before baptism, you've got to have the prerequisite, which is to believe in baptism. Amen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15 and 16, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, belief precedes baptism. Amen. It's not an outward sign of an inward grace. You can't get grace without being baptized. Amen. So there ain't no sense of having no sign. Amen. That, that's like stopping after you've missed a stop sign. All right. That, that's another time for another time. But we need to make sure that we understand what, 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 the, what the how is when it comes to Baptism, and then it would come to being saved, and then there is the repentance of sin. Now, when repentance is necessary, everybody has to repent from the pulpit to the pew. Everybody has to repent. Amen. You must acknowledge that you have walked uh, contrary to God's word. Amen. Amen. You just don't bat. Well, I'm perfect, but I'm getting baptized anyway. That, that, that don't work that way. Amen. It don't work that way. There's only one perfect that was baptized. And he wasn't being baptized for the remission of sin. He was baptizing, if you will, to fulfill all righteousness. And that was Jesus Christ himself, who had no sin, who had no guile. Amen. And that, that was the only one who was perfect, who was baptized. All the rest of us, we are being baptized because we're not perfect. We're trying to get to the blood that is perfect. And that blood is the blood of Jesus Christ. So we have to repent of our sins. The how, the how. We have to repent of our sins. We have to acknowledge that we walk short of God's glory. Romans 3 and 23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says we walked after the principalities of the air. Amen. That is, we walked after the devil. We, hang, we hung out with the devil. We, we had rubbed elbows with the devil. He was our buddy. He was our pal. He was our road dog, whatever else you want to call him. We were in partnership with wickedness. And so now we have to repent of that. We have to acknowledge that we've done wrong. And now the blood of Christ is what cleanses us from all of our sin. And then the confession of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, Brother Cooper, why are you giving the plan of salvation early? Well, I'm going to give it now because after I get into this sermon, you're going to see why it's so important. The plan of salvation has not changed. It is still the same. The how to become a Christian has not changed. And it is all still written in God's word. God's word does not change. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But the word of God shall never pass away. It will always be the same. Now, you may have been taught various things, but the word of God still says what it says. And the question is whether or not you're going to obey it. We confess Jesus Christ to be the son of God. We acknowledge Jesus is the son of God. Amen. Romans 10 and 9. We confess Christ Jesus with the heart, man believeth unto, uh, unto God, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We, we believe, we confess, we acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Lamb of the living God. He's the one that was slain from the foundation of the world. As John said, when he saw him while he was baptizing individuals in the river Jordan, he said, behold the Lamb, he's pointed toward Christ, that taketh away the sins of the whole world. 
we confess him to be the Lamb of God, a sacrifice that was made, a perfect sacrifice that was made, a sacrifice that we could not make for ourselves. Amen. God desired a perfect sacrifice, as it was in the Old Testament. Whenever they brought an animal before God, it had to be one without blemish. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Now we have our forever perfect sacrifice in the form of Christ. He's the one that gave his life, innocent life, uh, to save our souls. And then finally, that wonderful opportunity to go down in the watery grave of baptism, where we cleanse our spirits. We crucify the old man, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And we arise to walk in the newness of life as new creatures in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. These are all things that one must move through in order to get into a spiritual life with God. And everybody has to go through it. No one can get around it. Everyone must go through it. Because the Bible has said such. Now why is this so important to our lesson? Because Proverbs chapter 4 brings us to a point of wisdom. And we talked about wisdom before. You can get the tapes and refresh your memories about the significance of wisdom, about knowledge and understanding and putting into practice those things which are of God. Those are the three concepts and idea of wisdom as it pertains to the word of God. Solomon gives us the book of Proverbs. He gives us the book of wisdom. And in, and in Proverbs chapter 4, he begins to challenge us because he talks about what we used to do. What we used to be. Amen. And, and, and he lets us know that we need to change from what we used to do and what we used to be. And he talks about how, how, how we need to uh, uh, embrace wisdom. We need to embrace God's word. God's word is wisdom. Amen. James chapter 1. He that lacketh Wisdom, let him ask of God, who upbraideth not, but giveth all to all who asketh liberally. God's word is about wisdom. God gives us wisdom. It's just not a book of luxury reading, amen. This is a book of wisdom. It's about something that can help you gain the knowledge that you need to move you into a position of understanding that you can begin to behave and act in a way that will cause you to give your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, Romans chapter 12, 1 through 3, so that you can, if you will, be found worthy to enter into heaven's glory. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be saved. And so Solomon says to us in Proverbs 4, in verse number 1, I'm going to start there just to give you the, the opening, if you will, idea. Hear ye children. Remember, we are children of the light. Hear ye children. Solomon writes to Israel and the Hebrews and and all others who are in the Old Testament, amen. But not only does he write for those at that then known time, the word of God is forever. All scripture, all scripture, Paul told Timothy, is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, 
and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Proverbs chapter 4 is good. It's, it's still a good text. It was a good text then. It's a good text now. To help guide us. To help direct us. Hear ye children. The instruction of a father. Intend it, it, to know understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. This is the opening. As I drop down to verse number 13. Solomon says. Take hold. Lord have mercy. Take hold in, of the instruction and not only take hold of it, but, but be quick to hear, so to speak, so to wrath. Take fast hold of it. Boy, see, when you hear the word of God, don't be, don't be lollygagging. Don't be frolicking through the tulips as if you got time. When you hear the word of God, you should be starting to, crit to, to critically think about your soul's condition when it comes to salvation. Because tomorrow's not promised to any of us. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. The evil is the sufficiency of evil is of the day thereof. What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeared for a little while and then vanished away. When God's wisdom, when God's instruction comes to you and it's encouraging your soul, your spirit to obey the gospel, you need to take fast hold, hold on to it. And obey it. Because we don't know what's on the next moment of time that God has placed in our lives. Death could be in that next moment of time. Death is always imminent. But he goes on and says, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. You remember we read in Hebrews where it said that, you know, that we should give the earnest heed to the things that we have been taught lest we let them slip. You remember that? And we talked about how slip means drift away. We drift away from the word of God because, see, when, when that happens, we're not, we're not holding fast. We become untethered, disconnected from God's word. And when our souls become disconnected from God's word, we drift back out into the darkness from which we came. Lord, have mercy. You see, we are staying tethered to God's word. We're staying tethered to the light. And as long as we stay tethered to God's word, as long as we hold on to God's word, we hold on to the light, we're being pulled away from the darkness. But as soon as you let go of God's word, as soon as you become untethered from the light, you drift back into the darkness from which you came. It is only God's word that can pull you out of the darkness. Amen. It is only, the, it is only God's word that has the power of the light to do just that. To pull you out of darkness. And so if we become untethered from God's word, like, like, like many have become untethered from God's word, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in our day and age, people have become untethered from God's word, and thus they have now drifted back into the darkness. Now remember what's in the darkness. In the darkness is the world. The wickedness of the world is in the darkness. And I dare say this as a challenging point for each of us. 
You know, sometimes people don't accidentally become untethered from God's word. It's not an accident that they let go of the light. Sometimes people let go of the light and become untethered purposefully. You know why? Because they're more comfortable with the darkness. Lord have mercy. I'm going to let that sit there. I didn't say you. I just people. If shoe don't fit, don't wear it. Don't worry about it. But there are those who are more comfortable with the darkness. And so being more comfortable with the darkness, they would rather exist in the darkness than they exist in the light. Because in the light, there's some change that has to happen. But in the darkness, I can just continue to be who I am or whatever and do what I do. Not even fully comprehending the tragedy of the destination of my soul by staying in the darkness. But he said, let her not go. Lord have mercy. Hold on to wisdom. Hold on to instruction. Hold on to understanding. Let, don't, don't let her go, amen. Keep her. Lord have mercy. Keep her. For she is, not was, but is thy life. Remember John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then he goes on and says uh, that the that word was the light, and the light was the life of all men. Well, that word is the word of God. That word was manifested in the form of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. That word was proclaimed by Jesus Christ to the apostles, Roman, uh, John uh, 16 and 13, who eventually proclaimed it and preached it unto us, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, who then wrote it, Ephesians chapter 3, whereby when we read, we shall understand the knowledge of the mystery. Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, right to divide and handle right the word of truth. John 17, 17, sanctify thyself, set thyself apart, make thyself holy. Through what? Obedience of the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That seed, that light, thy word, these things all describe the self-saving, saving power of God. Solomon says, let her not go. For this is, or for she is, thy life. Verse number 14, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. We all know where we used to be. We all know where we came from. But the question is, where are you going? Where are you going? Don't go back into the path of the wicked. Don't go back in the path of the evil way. Don't go back. As children of the light, you need to stay out of those things. And as Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, he was telling the church, he was telling the children of God, why are you going back into the world? This is what you have been pulled out of. What, how in the world can you now go back and try and to, and, and to, to, to uh, uh, straddle between the world and the church, the light and the dark? It is not possible for that to happen. 
and for your soul to be saved. Walk as children of light. Be as children of light. Practice as children of light. Teach as children of light. Preach as children of light. Live as children of light. Live that way. You can't have them both. You can't have both. Christianity is not a buffet where you can go pick and choose what you want. Since it's not a buffet, let's talk about what it is. It is a wonderful seven-course meal, though. And I say a seven-course meal because seven is represented in numerology in the biblical text as perfect. And Christianity is perfect, and it's a good meal to have. Because in the meal that God has put together that gives us Christianity, amen, we have good drink. Oh, amen. You can't have a good meal without a good drink. Amen. Y'all hang on. It's going to be all right. God has given us the fruit of the vine in our meal. It has manifested itself in such a way because it is a representation of the blood of Christ. And so we take communion, and that communion is, if you will, inclusive of a good drink. It is the fruit of the vine because of what it represents. The manifestation of the bread that is provided with our meal. It's not any kind of bread. But it's the perfect loaf because it represents the body of Christ. And there's no blemish in it. That bread, if you will, is the bread of life. For the word of God describes Christ as such. Our meat. manifests itself in several ways. But in our meal, the meat is a representation of the maturity of our growth in the word of God. Hebrews chapter 5 says, but strong meat belongeth to those who are mature. (laughs) The word of God is, is our meat. Amen. And it is succulent and it is sweet. Amen. This meal that we have, amen, sometimes, you know, you have to have uh, 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 the, 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 uh, uh, the, the beginning of the meal, which, which uh, you have the, the, uh, the sides, if you will, or the hors d'oeuvres that come along with it. And, 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 and Peter says, look, the, the, you need to desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. There's another drink there. And that milk that Peter recalls, calls, recalls for us 
is also exemplified as the word of God. These things are in the word of God and they help us to understand how wonderful it is to feast on God's word. Because in every way, this meal strengthens us. It becomes our life. It becomes who we are. We, we, we become full of the word. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and 16, be full of the word. Be full of it. Be overflowing with it. Because it's able to save our souls. It is a meal. It is a meal worth consuming. Proverbs gets back to a point. He talks about how we need to, uh, verse number 16 in Proverbs 4 and 16, for they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is, if you will, uh, taken away unless they, it's taken away unless they cause some to fall. This life of wickedness needs to be put behind us and we need to become different. In verse number 17, for they eat the bread, see? They eat the bread of wickedness. Then they drink the wine of violence. See, some people are eating different kinds of meals. And depending on how you consume your belief system, it's going to determine the destination of your soul. And if your belief system is in consuming the, wicked, the bread of wickedness and the drinking of the wine of violence, those things which are considered evil, uh, 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 Proverbs, uh, Solomon says in Proverbs that these things are going to lead to the destruction of your soul. Those, but the meal that God offers, the fruit of the vine, the sweetness of the bread, and the meat of the word of God, the hors d'oeuvres of the milk that helps sustain us on a time, from time to time and day-to-day basis when we are growing in the Lord, these things are able to strengthen and, 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 and strengthen us and preserve us so that we can one day enter into heaven's glory. These are the things that Solomon helps us to consider. And he goes on finally in verse number 18 as I make a transition. But the path of the just, the righteous, is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Every moment that we live after obedience of the gospel, our light shines brighter and brighter and brighter as we consume the perfect meal of God. Every day. And in each one of these things, we have that which is all spiritual. The hearing of God's word, the believing of God's word, the repenting of our sins, the confession of Jesus Christ, the baptism of, for the remission of sin. These are all spiritual matters that bring us into a position of salvation. Why is that so important? Why does the proverb writer says day by day, every day, our light becomes, uh, uh, begins to shine brighter and brighter? Why is that so important? Because here is the, here's the, the core of this sermon. Twice, God caused 
light to shine in darkness. The first time God allowed the shining of the light is in the physical form. Say with me. In the beginning in Genesis, when God said that darkness covered all the earth, and he said, let there be light. That was the first time God took light and shined forth in darkness. And it was all physical. Let the greater light rule the day. Let the lesser light rule the night. God created this idea of light to shine forth in darkness. And it was in the physical form. There was no spirituality related to it. It was all in the spirit, in the, in the physical form. But when it came to the second time that light shined in darkness, it was in the spiritual it was in the spiritual form. God is not creating anymore. Creation is over. Creation is over. When God said there is the male and the female, the concept and the bodies of creation was over. It was over. When God saw the man and it wasn't good for him to be alone, he said he was going to create another one that was like unto him. And he created the woe man. Adam called her Eve. The creation of humanity was done. It was over. And it was good. Because God did not create man in darkness. God created man in the light. text that he has brought us into the marvelous light. Know ye not that if many of you have been baptized, Galatians chapter 3, 26 and following, into Christ, have put on Christ. When you're baptized into Christ, you are baptized in the light. The spiritual life is in the light. It's not in darkness. It is created in the light. And only twice has God done such a thing. In the beginning, it was physical, and everybody's stuck in the beginning in Genesis, in the physical. But what, God, what you were seeing was a microscopic manifestation of what God was going to do in the spiritual. He created man in the light, in the physical. He created man's spirit of salvation in the light, in the spiritual. The proverb writer says that we shine, we shine, we shine more and more unto the perfect day. In other words, to continue to be the light that God wants you to do, to, to be, you have to do what's necessary in order to shine. Or else you're going to be drawn into the darkness again. 
Only God's word has been able to pull people out of the darkness and bring them into the marvelous light. There is no more physical creation. People, we're waiting on the kingdom of God to come and then we'll obey the God. The kingdom of God is spiritual and it's already here. When Jesus says, Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was talking about a spiritual manifestation. And that spiritual manifestation would be housed in earthen vessels. And we are those earthen vessels. The children of God, the children of the light, Paul calls us in Ephesians chapter 5, the children of the light. Our fellowship, our fellowshipping with us, one of another, making up the church, the body of Christ, the church of Christ. Amen. This is the spiritual body that Paul spoke about in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes uh, to the church of Colossae. And, 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 and he said something to us. That I, that I think is, is, is so worthy of, 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 of conversation because of the power of it. Look what he, look what he says in Colossians uh, 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 chapter 1 and, and, and uh, drop down, if you will, to verse, number, uh, to verse number 9, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Look what, he, look what he says. For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might uh, be fulfilled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul goes on and says, look, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord because of your spiritual understanding in all wisdom. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When you are, when you are increasing in the knowledge of God, your light shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Verse number 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In light. Have you ever realized that in Revelations, when John gives us the book of Revelations, the book of eschatology, the book of the last things, when we see heaven and John is describing what he sees in heaven, he's describing it in such a way that the human mind can actually grasp what it is that he's talking about. And one of the things that he emphasizes so much is that heaven is a lighted place. <laughs> He says, there's no sun. You don't, you don't need the S-U-N anymore. You don't need the sun that's in the firmaments of our air right now. He said, because you got the S-O-N, he shines all the time. Amen. Heaven is a place that's lit up, shining brightly. And if you make it there, you're going to be lit up too. Because no darkness is making it into heaven. 
Heaven is a place where light shines. Amen. And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a blessing to know that as we live our lives and we strive to be who God desires us to be, to be children of the light. Remember, that's what he says. That's what he says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5. You, you have to walk as children of the light. You're children of the light. And as your light gets brighter and brighter, your knowledge of God increases and increases. Guess what? At the time when God decides that it's time for you to go, wouldn't it be a blessing that you have? You are glowing so much that when you walk in, you just glowing like everybody else in heaven. Everybody glowing. He says, look, in Colossians 1, strengthen with all might according to the glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet, has made us meet. The word of God makes us worthy to be partakers. Remember in Ephesians 5, he told them, do not be partakers with them. With who? With those who are in darkness. Don't have any partnership with them. Don't have any fellowship with those who are in darkness. You were once darkness, he says. You were once darkness, but now ye are light. You used to be in darkness, but the word of God that you have tethered yourself to is pulling you out of that darkness. And you're shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And the blessing is, is that your light becomes so bright that those who are looking at you want to follow you out too. So not only are you shining bright for yourself, you're shining bright for somebody else. Second Corinthians chapter 3 would help you along that. As he says that we are the epistles known and read of all men. But back in Colossians, he goes on and says, look, so since, since, since we are the saints in light, he says in verse number 13, who hath delivered us from the power of dark. Don't you know darkness has power? And the only way you're going to get out of darkness is by the power of the light. And that light is the seed of God's word. Darkness has power. And let me tell you something. Darkness is not just going to let you go. <laughs> You're not just going to walk out of darkness. It's going it, to, look, it, it already has you consumed, right? Amen. Amen. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. We were consumed in darkness. Consumed in it. And so just imagine, imagine, if you will, just for a moment, imagine just for a moment, and, 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 and I'll use this analogy so that it is, uh, uh, prayerfully, it is helpful for you to understand it. If, if you understand quicksand, and, and, and you, you, you've been in that quicksand, and now you've been in that quicksand to the point where you, you, are, you are now uh, 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 head deep in the quicksand, and, and your head's going down, and, and the only thing left, you got your, you got your, your hand stuck out, you hoping that somebody throws you a lifeline, because you're going down. Amen. You going down, but then you feel something hit your hand, and and and, and you feel some 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 pulling on it, some tension on it, and, and all of a sudden you grab hold of it, and then it's pulling you, and, and you feel yourself going up instead of going down. Amen. God says, hold fast to the doctrine. 
because it's pulling you up out of the quicksand of darkness. Hold fast to it. And somebody, and you know who's pulling on that, on that, on that, uh, that, that, that line, that, that tension, like uh, 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 Rahab when she had that, that string hanging outside her window. You know how who's pulling on it? That's Christ pulling on it. He's pulling on the heartstrings of your life. And he's pulling you up out of the darkness. And he's pulling you up out of it with the word of God. Because the power of the darkness is to hold you down and to keep sucking you down farther. But he says that he has delivered us. Lord have mercy. He's going to keep pulling on you. Keep pulling on you until you've been delivered. Until you've been, if you will, separated from the darkness. But even though you've been separated from the darkness, don't think that the darkness is not trying to draw you back. who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is what God has done. This is what Christ has done. Notice something here that's very important. All of it's important, but I want you to see a connection here. In Matthew 6 and 33, God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. He's, he's, he's using the idea of the, the, the needs of the world, that Solomon and lilies of the field and all of them are arrayed and so forth. He says that he provides for the lily of the field. They toil not, neither do they reap, but he provides for them. So how much more will he provide for you? Let me tell you something. When he talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, what God shows us in that particular text is, is, he says there, are, there is a priority of being part of the church, being part of the kingdom. It is the church that you become part of. It is the city that sitteth upon the hill, a light that cannot be hid. You become part of the kingdom, part of the church, part of his body, because that is where the light is. And being in the light keeps you, if you will, and helps you keep from going back into the darkness. You just can't come out of the darkness and lollygag anywhere. You can only come Come out of the darkness and be in the church. Because the church is where safety is. And there is no safety outside the church. Because see, everything outside the church is darkness. Everything outside the church is darkness. And so church, the Church of Christ, Romans 16 and 16, salute one another with the holy kiss, and the churches of Christ salute you. This is the church that Christ built, Matthew 16 and 18. We see then that this is the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is where the light is. We are baptized into Christ. You're not baptized into anything. You're baptized into the church because that's where the light is. That is where the power of the light is. And as darkness tries to suck you back in, it's the light that's pulling you back out. kingdom and one day and one day it's the kingdom the light that is in the world but not of the world is what Jesus is coming back to to say first Corinthians chapter 15 
what he says about this kingdom. Paul writes to the church of Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, I'm going to start at uh, I'm going to start at verse number 16. Well, I'm going to start at verse number, uh, verse number uh, 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 13 is a good place to start. So we, so we look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 13, well, well, verse number 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Yea, are ye in your sins? Then they are which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. But we just read in Colossians that we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. We're added to the church, the kingdom. Hold on. Verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now, I'm glad that he, he made this transition. Because Paul said, I just said all this crazy stuff that people are saying. All this foolishness that people are saying. Now let me tell you what the truth of the matter is. But now, is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? For since by man came death by man, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Why? Because John 1 said it. He is our light, and the light is the life of all men. When we go into Christ through the watery grave of baptism, we become the light that lives because of Christ. And we are made alive. Why? Because Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were in darkness in our trespasses and sins. We were all dead in trespasses and sins. But when we obeyed the gospel, we became alive again because we were in the light. And that light is Christ. But verse number 23 in 1 Corinthians 15 and 23 says, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after, that, after they that are Christ's, at his coming. Verse number 24. Then cometh the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put, all, put, put down all rule and all authority and power. The darkness still has power. 
But Colossians says we've been delivered from the power of darkness into the marvelous light. And that marvelous light is represented as the kingdom of God. It's represented as the church. It's represented as the church of Christ. Let me tell you something. When Christ comes back from the right hand of the Father, it won't be difficult to find the church because the church is shining in darkness. There's a song we used to sing. It was a children's song. We used to sing it through uh, during our our, our, our uh, vacation Bible school. It was a children's song. It, 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 it was right in the corner where you are, right? We used to sing it. Do not wait until some deed of greatness you may do. Do not wait to shed your life afar. But do what you can now. Brighten the corner where you are. Wherever you are, wherever you are as a child of God, brighten that corner where you are. Because when, the, when Christ comes back, he will see your light. Let your light shine so that all men may see your work. And not only will all men see your work, Christ will see your work. And by seeing your work, he's talking about how your light will be shining so brightly, it won't be hard to find you. Those are the ones that will be delivered up into the kingdom. I'm going to close here. Luke records something very powerful in and it's, 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 it's so powerful because it's Christ speaking. And so Luke records a discussion about the end of life. And I, and, I, and I really think that a lot of people in their naivete don't really truly appreciate the imminent danger that the soul is in. Because he as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow's not promised to any of us. And if you die in your sin, where he is, you cannot go. But Luke says something in Luke chapter 12, and he drops down, I'm going to drop down rather, to verse number 20. Verse number uh, 20. This is a story about a rich man and and how he he had all the material things of life, right? He had, he had all the material things that one could offer, and, and he says, "So he said, my, my, I have I have built great bonds and build greater. I'll build greater bonds. And I'll bestow all my goods, and 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 I, and I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> you, you talk about ignorance." He had a whole bunch of money, but, but he got to the point where he thought his money could actually save his soul. He says, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I think a lot of people feel that way. Let me just eat, drink, and be merry. One day I'm going to die, and that's going to all be over. Well, that ain't it. 
We used to say, oh, there are, there are some who used to say that, you know, life is like the dog rover, dead all over, right? You know, at the end of life. No one wants to fear eternity in hell. And so they convince themselves that they don't have to worry about it. They convince themselves that it's not real and, and all this stuff is fanciful mysticism and the Bible is not real. It's just a book written by man and, and all this stuff. See, see you, look, if you're going to live like that, if you're going to live recklessly like that, you have to put yourself in some kind of delusion. Who intentionally runs toward death? I don't think any, anybody in their right mind does that. But if you put yourself in enough delusion where you, you think your soul is not going to suffer, then you, then you don't have to worry about it. You just do whatever you want to do. But Luke records something very much different. Luke says about this man, he had done all these things. He had received all this stuff. And Verse number 20. After he said, I'm going to tell my soul to take thine ease, God said to him, but God said unto him, thou fool. Now, this had nothing to do with him being stupid. It had nothing to do, obviously, he, he, was, a, he was a husbandman. He, he had some farming skills. He was able to plant and to grow uh, what it is that his household needed, even to the point where he became so wealthy in his riches with God's blessings, if you will, or God's mercy, depending on how you want to look at this. But nevertheless, he, he was able to acquire it, and, and he thought that that was all that was necessary. God called him a fool. It wasn't because of his intellectual ability to plant a prosperous farm. It wasn't because of the, 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 the PhD and the master's degree and the bachelor's degree and, and all this education and the one, many years of experience and trades and, and all the wealth that you've been able to gain because of maybe your sports acumen and all this. Other. It wasn't about all that. He said, you a fool because you thought that your soul was in your control. The destination of it, rather. The destination of your soul is not in your control. The destination of your soul is in the control of God. But God has given you the options to choose the destination. But he says, look. He said, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night, thou soul. See, you don't, never, you don't know when death is going to come. He said, this night. But wait a minute, I, I, I just had a great harvest. He said, hey, that's not my concern. This night. This night. And guess what? When God, come, when God comes calling for your soul, you don't have to worry about it popping up in your iPhone. God doesn't care about any of that material stuff. What we're talking about, as Brother Joseph said in his prayer, these are eternal matters. These are spiritual matters. God has already dealt with procreation and creation. Now procreation takes care of everything. Procreation in the terms of humanity, when a child is born, a child is coming through the process of procreation. Procreation, because God has placed the system and turned it on. 
And now humanity comes through a procreation process. Seeds that fall from plants and, and those seeds go into the ground and the nurturing and the nutrients of the soil and the water that God allows to be rained upon the earth begins to uh, uh, have those seeds bring forth and, and, and repeat, if you will, and, and, and grow after the seed that is within them. And they produce more seeds. All of this process is in place. God is not creating the way he created in the beginning. This is a spiritual matter now. And the question is, are you dwelling in the darkness? Or are you dwelling in the light? But this rich man says, soul, take thine ease. And God says, thy fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So, he, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich Toward God. We already rich when you're a child of God. Because we're rich toward God. And God can provide all of our needs. In verse number 22, and he says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what uh, ye shall put on. See, all these material things, all these physical things are irrelevant. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which, uh, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, and toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wait a minute. Not Solomon who gave us Proverbs chapter 4. Not Solomon who had all the riches of the world. Not King Solomon who had all the concubines and all the women that he could have and, 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 and be misused by. Not Solomon. Not Solomon. With all of what Solomon had, only one thing was important. And Solomon gave it to us at the end of his life. Let us hear the conclusion of this whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. It took Solomon a lifetime to learn that. God gives us that in his word. Being children of the light, this should give you comfort. Because you now, that, you now know that by living in the light, you have an opportunity, even a better opportunity than Solomon, to make it into heaven's glory. Verse number 28 in Luke 12 and 28. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today and in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more would he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek. They seek after. And your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather, but rather seek the light. Seek the kingdom. Seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek the light. Seek ye the light. You've 
been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Seek the light of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves with bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief can, uh, approaches, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When your treasure is in heaven, it's because the seed of God has been planted in your heart. And now your heart is bringing forth the fruit that God finds worthy to enter into heaven's glory. God says, let your loins be girded about you. And your lights, and your lights burning. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You don't want, you don't want to be caught with your lantern going out. He goes into another parable, and, and I'll end here because it's, time is spent and I think it's a good place to leave you where you can continue your own study for the rest of this but look what he says and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord for their Lord when he will return from the wedding that when he cometh and knocketh they may open unto him immediately when your light is burning and your lantern is on God knows where you are God knows where you are he knows who you are Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Boy, when your light is on and it's burning, that means you watching. You on the wall of your life, of your soul, and you watching. And you, what are you watching for? You watching for the Lord to come. And so you're going to live your life as a light burning and so that the Lord will see you. Verily I say unto you that ye shall gird him, you shall, uh, shall uh, you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. God says, Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. The Lord says, When I see your light burning, when I, when I come, I, I'm, a, I'm coming to serve you, to help you. Verse number 38, and if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. The power of the light is indisputable that the church, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ is the light on the face of the earth. We are the city that sitteth upon a hill that cannot be hid. God calls us the shining light. We individually make up part of that light. As children of the light, we make up that light. And that's why the church shines so brightly. Because the church is made up of those who are shining lights. Christ being the first fruit. We being those 
who have come through his sacrifice to shine as lights. The world didn't know Christ because they decided to reject him. But the word of God gives us Christ and shows us the blessing uh, that, he had, that he has provided for us to one day, if we choose to obey the gospel, we can shine as light. And the wonderful thing that we didn't get to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the wonderful thing about that text is he says, so shall we have borne the image of the terrestrial, so shall we bear the image of the celestial. In other words, whatever Christ looks like in his shining light, guess what? We're going to look like that. We're going to look like that. And since John recalls him being a shining light, we're going to shine too. We're going to shine with him. Everybody's going to be shining in heaven with the Lord. I pray that the word of God has had its way with your soul, with your, with your heart right now, because that's what the seed is supposed to do. And let me tell you something. It, 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 is, it, it is not unusual to feel uncomfortable about God's word. Because that's the intent of it. It is meant for you to critically think about your life and where you are in your relationship with God. So don't feel ashamed because in terms of being ashamed of feeling affected by it because guess what? All of us were affected by it. That's why we obeyed the gospel. Because we were affected by the word of God and where our lives were at the time when we obeyed the gospel. All have sinned. We decided to grab hold the line that pulled us up out of our darkness and that is the word of God and I pray that you'll hear this morning as we had given it from the beginning I'll give it again in Romans 10 and 17 so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and Hebrews 11 and 6 says but without faith it is impossible to please God be that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him you have to intentionally seek the Lord you, you, you're not, you, the Holy Spirit is not going to come down and knock you in the head and make you obey the gospel you have to intentionally come toward the Lord repenting of your sins acknowledging that you've fallen short of his glory and all of us did Romans chapter 6 says be ashamed of the sin but don't be ashamed of God it's time for you to come. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. One day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. But God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us all to come unto repentance. In Acts 17 and 30, he commandeth every man everywhere to repent. We confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Romans 10 and 10. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation so it's time for you to come give your life to the Lord be added to the light going through the watery grave of baptism because God added to the kingdom in Acts 2.37 when Peter preached that first gospel, that, that sermon on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they came to him after he finished preaching and telling them about Jesus, that same Jesus has now been made both Lord and Christ, they came to Peter and said men and brethren what shall we do, and Peter said repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins, in Acts 2.47 the Bible says God added to them that is to the church, that is to the kingdom, that is to his body he added to them daily those that were being saved. They were being saved through the watery grave of baptism. Therefore, Mark 16, 15, and 16 becomes relevant. 
because Mark 16, 15, and 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But it's not once saved, always saved. Because you may have obeyed the gospel one time in your life and, 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 and somehow you've become untethered. You, you have let go of God's word. You have drifted away from the truth. Maybe Ephesians 4 is relevant in your life. You've been tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. All of these different worldly belief systems have confused your mind and caused you to let loose of God's word. Well, guess what? As long as you have oxygen in your lungs and life in your body, you have a chance to turn around. Come back to the Lord before it's everlasting and eternally too late. The prodigal son did that. The prodigal son let go of the father and went out into the world. And guess what? He had a pocket full of money when he left the Lord's house. Amen when you can. A pocket full of money when he left the Lord's house. But when he got out there into the world, the world made sure he became broke pretty quick. You have a lot of friends until you become broke. Amen. Amen. Until you become broke. I, I was looking at some video on, <laughs> on social media. I'm not there often, but this one just tickled my soul. Had this young, this young boy. He couldn't be more, no more than five years old, and he had a math book open, I guess. And he was reading the math book, and he was reading this math problem. He says, he says, he says, Jaden has one dollar, one quarter, and one penny. How, 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 how much money does Jalen have? Young man said, Jalen broke. <laughs> <laughs> he said, let's just, let's just get to the crux of the matter. Jaden broke. When the world takes all you got, you just broke. You just broke. And where did they play? Where did they? They found him in the hog pen. Where are all those friends that you were partying with? Where are all those friends that you were running with? Where are all those friends on Facebook? When you broke, you just broke. Did nobody want to be around you. All those so-called friends, they friends until the end. But then he came to himself because he realized that he had squandered his life away in the world. He let the darkness overtake him. But then he began to remember about how his father provided for him, how he had clothes and food. Even the servants had clothes food, had a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. God provided for his needs, and the light came on. See, that's, that's, that's. that was production, production with the light. God provided. God says, I know all of your needs. I can provide all your needs, but you got to seek ye first. And when the, when, the, when, the, when the prodigal son turned around and he said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm going to go back to my father's house. He had a chance to go back to his father's house. And his father saw him coming from a long way off. And when he saw him coming, he ran and fell on his neck. And then he said, my son has come home. Put shoes on his feet. Put clothes on back. Put ring on his finger. Because that's what he left here with. God knows how to provide our needs. You're still alive. You still have a chance. But when death comes, if you die in your sin, where he is, you cannot come. I pray that you come this morning. The word of God is true. It's irrefutable. I pray you've heard it. I pray that you're ready to obey it.
Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing the invitational song? Why don't you come? Somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. He can save you. Somebody's knocking at your door. He can save you, somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Knocks like Jesus, somebody's knocking at your door. Knocks like Jesus, somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door, oh sinner, why don't you answer somebody, he's knocking at your door. Let the church say amen once again. Amen. I want to thank Brother Cooper for a powerful message this morning. Very powerful message. And we all need to hear it. Praise. Hopefully we'll take heed to it. Yeah. From um, Brother Copepper's sermon, I have cards in front of me here. Um, first card I have my very own brother Arnold. Um, he has a statement on the back of his card. Okay, I just want to make sure I read this right. Yes, God um, forsaken Forsaking the kingdom of, of church, forgiveness. God, forgiveness, forsaking the kingdom of church, forgiveness. Amen, brother. I also have a card from Sister Yan. Statement on the back of her card says, I'd like to thank God for all his many blessings. Please pray for Nicole. She is not feeling well. Thank you. Sister Yan. Sister Bromel, um, statement on the back of her car says, traveling grace for me and my sister, Sister Bromel. And I have a card from our, our very own uh, Brother Elder Martin, Future Design Prayer, Brother Elder Martin. That's all the cards that I have at this time. I'm going to ask that everyone would bow with me as we approach our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
It is in your presence we come with bowed heads and grateful hearts. Just thanking you, Father, for loving us more than we love ourselves. And Father, we just pray in that that you will grant the prayer for those who have come forward. Father, we, uh, for those who are uh, traveling great, we pray, Father, they will have uh, reached their destination safely and return safely. Yeah. Pray, Father, for uh, Sister uh, Nicole. We pray, Father, that uh, you will help her to regain back full strength and health. Pray, Father, for Brother Arnold and Brother, and brother uh, Martin. Pray, Father, you will answer their prayers. And I'll pray, we pray, Father, for everyone that you will help them uh, where they stand in need of help. Be with them, Father. Guide them. Uh, continue to uh, help them to continue to look to you for their answer. Father, it is you who we move and live and have our being. And, and for that, Father, we just come to you in prayer and give you all the praise and glory for, for answering our prayers with a yes or no answer. So, Father, we just ask that you will continue to bless us and answer our prayers. And thank you, Father, for all that you have done and will do. And, Father, we just pray and ask that you will just keep our hearts and minds focused on you and, and your word. For these prayers and all prayers that we do ask, in the name of your darling Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 Please open your faith and praise books and turn to page 574. Once again, that is page 574 in your faith and praise books. At this time, we're going to start the hymn. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing. It's worth, it sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth, we're singing now. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus. 